Well, when I was about 13, I received the birthday invitation of my life. A little girl in my church, whom I had been buddies with since her birth, was having her third birthday party. It was 1993, and the biggest thing around was Barney the dinosaur. And she loved Barney, and her parents loved her, so they wanted to make this third birthday a party to remember. They invited all her friends, young and old, made a birthday cake, had party favors, and then checked all the local costume shops to find the main party attraction, a purple dinosaur costume. Now, copyright law did not allow this costume shop to call it a Barney the Dinosaur costume, and well, the costume itself didn't really allow it to be called a Barney the Dinosaur costume either. It was certainly purple and was certainly dinosaur-like, and if you used your imagination just enough as Barney exhorts us to do, you could see that, well, maybe it does kind of look like Barney. You kind of ignore the face. It wasn't perfect, but it was the one they could afford. And they invited me, it was the only talent they could afford, to put on the suit and surprise their daughter at her birthday. And I was ecstatic. I worked for weeks on my best Barney the Dinosaur voice, learned all the lines, using your imagination can be so much fun. And of course, appropriate for this sermon, sharing means caring. And I practiced but never quite achieved that Barney ballet jump, which I will not demonstrate here. This pulpit's not quite solid. On the day of the party, I put on the suit and came out from behind the house to surprise the kids. I think they were singing I Love You, You Love Me, as they tended to do every day, every moment back in the early 90s. And as I walked around, this little girl saw me, rushed, ran across the yard, hugged me and said, Barney, you're here. And she was thrilled. It wasn't a destination birthday party. This was her backyard. The costume was far from authentic. The party favors, well, they probably came from Dollar Tree, the cake from a box. Yet still today, you can ask this little girl who's, well, now a full-grown adult, and she will tell you it was the best birthday party of her childhood. I think we adults could learn something from children. Because it seems these days that, well, the expectations have been raised a little bit for a good birthday party for a kid. Well, everything has to be perfect, the best facility with the most fun, take the kids on a trip of a lifetime, spend and charge so the kids can have their best memories. But chances are, our kids might be just as excited by a wannabe costumed 13-year-old in their own backyard. But kids, well, we teach them the expectations that we have so that when they grow up and Marty and I meet with them as they're getting married, they think it has to be the best, the best clothes, the best location, the best food, and they'll begin their marriage with mountains of debt in order to have the perfect wedding, setting the expectation that the marriage, too, must be perfect. When Marty and I do premarital counseling, we always tell the couple, well, you know, everything could go wrong. It's happened before the flowers may arrive and they may be wilted already. The DJ may play the wrong song. The dress may tear. The best man may pass out right in the front of the church. And most likely the flower bearer, the ring bearer and the flower girl are going to do something to act up. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens, we tell them, we're going to sign that marriage license and you're going to be married and it's all going to be a success. We have so much stress, it seems, of throwing the best event, the best party. And so when we hear Don read this parable to us this morning, 
This parable from Jesus and the Gospel of Matthew from a long time ago, and yet maybe we can relate to this story. Now, we thought our wedding festivities were big, but first century Jewish weddings were quite a sight to behold. They often would go on for a week or more. It was a whole town celebration. Everyone came together to to welcome this new couple. And the pressure was on for the families to do everything right. But from the beginning of the story, we realize this is not a perfect wedding. The bride and the bridegroom, well, they're not even there yet. And everyone is waiting for them to come, just waiting and waiting. It's nighttime. It's midnight. Everyone's waiting so long that they all fall asleep. Talk about a party killer. Now, here's where the story gets a little troublesome. We're told from the outset of the story that there are five wise bridesmaids and five foolish bridesmaids. Talk about prejudicing the, the, our reading of the story. For when the five foolish bridesmaids announce that they don't have enough oil to keep their lamps burning all night, we are quick to judge them. The five, quote, wise bridesmaids say, well, we aren't sharing our oil with you. Go get your own. And those five foolish bridesmaids are, are shamed for not being prepared. Be Prepared. You can hear the old tiny preacher yelling it. Be prepared for you'll never know the hour when the Son of Man may appear. Get your life in order. And I could end the sermon right there. Throw in a little dash of guilt. All the many ways that you're not prepared for Jesus to come. And then we could offer an altar call. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? It'd be easier. It'd be easier to leave the text right there. But as we said a few weeks ago, this parable, well, it happens to be from the gospel. The gospel is supposed to be good news. And that doesn't sound like good news to me today. So let's not leave this parable until we find some good news. Now, our worship series is about lessons children can teach us. So what could children possibly teach us about this parable? Now, share and share alike is the name of the sermon. Sharing means caring is what the purple dinosaur said at that third, at that three-year-old party. This parable, well, it seems to suggest the otherwise, to teach a different lesson. Be prepared yourself. Take care of your own self. Now, oil lamps are not essential party favors these days. So maybe it's hard to put ourselves into this parable. But imagine it's a BYOB party. Not that you would go to one of those, but imagine somebody might go to a BYOB party and you brought nothing. You didn't know. Maybe you didn't read the invitation. Maybe you didn't have the money for your B. (laughs) And you ask somebody who brought extra, can I have some? And they say, no, I brought my own B. (laughs) This is mine. I'm not going to risk running out. You should have been prepared. It was clearly on the Facebook event invite. That this was a BYOB party. I remember the very first time Marty and I went to the Norwalk Lions Club lobster dinner. It was the first time we ever went out without baby Oliver. And we were glad just to be out, even if it was in the Catholic church. And we were not prepared. We did not know what to expect. We ordered lobster, and that was the extent of it. We showed up with nothing. While everyone else began unloading these bags of appetizers, desserts, drinks, placemats, lobster-eating tools that we didn't even know had been invented, we were unprepared. 
But then Kathy Reiner had mercy on us and lent us her lobster-eating tools, which I ended up breaking, by the way. And then someone else at the table showed us how to eat the lobster, which we had no idea. Our table shared appetizers and desserts, and Betsy Durham gave me a beer. And because of the generosity, or sorry, a bee, because of the generosity of our fellow partygoers, we had the best night out. Because that's what community does for one another. Even when we're unprepared, we share and share alike. Maybe we're reading this parable wrong. Now, we put so much pressure on ourselves to get everything right, to throw the best parties, to be the best person, to be the best spouse, to be the best parent, the best Christian. But here's the truth. We know it, but maybe we don't say it enough. We aren't perfect. And maybe this is bad news or maybe it's good, and we never will be. We will mess up. We will forget At some point, we will all be unprepared. We will fail. We will let someone down. We will drop the ball. We will not bring enough oil, enough whatever it is we were supposed to bring. And we read this parable and think, yes, yes, I knew it all along. I am a failure. I'm unprepared for life, for eternity. God has certainly shut the door on me. No party here. It's easy to read this parable and forget the rest of Scripture. We kind of do ourselves a disservice on Sunday how we just read one text, just kind of divorced from the rest of Scripture. You know, you're supposed to read Scripture on those other days too, but but on Sundays we just kind of read this one text and we see it out of context. But only two chapters earlier, two chapters earlier in Matthew, Jesus says, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Why? For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Huh. Maybe God doesn't shut the door. Maybe it's the teachers of the law and the hypocrites who shut the door. And in case you think this parable is telling us not to share, well, just 17 verses later, if you just keep reading from where Don stopped, Jesus tells another parable. One Marty will share with us next week about sheep and goats. And the point of that parable is that we should always help those in need, for we may be helping Jesus Christ himself. Maybe this parable isn't about God shutting the door on the unprepared, but it is. Maybe it's about those five, quote, foolish bridesmaids, how they felt when they were unprepared. Because we know how they feel when we don't get it right, when we're worn out, burned out. Put out, left out, tired out, when we feel like we've been chewed up and spat out, we know how it feels. But guess what? So does everyone else. I mean, look around today. These folks we're with, they're not perfect. None of us are good enough. And even those, quote, wise bridesmaids, had they waited just a little bit longer, guess who would have also run out of oil? Maybe this parable isn't judging us for being unprepared, but instead it's inviting us to relax, to let ourselves off the hook and go easy on ourselves, to realize that the party is never perfect, nor are we. So borrow someone's lobster claw crushers and get a loner beer. Lend each other oil. Share with others, but maybe even harder, accept what others have to share with you. Because more often than not, we, not others and not God, but more often than not, we are usually the ones who shut 
ourselves off from the party, who lock that door because we believe that we in our own imperfection and unpreparedness could never be worthy. Now, the bridesmaid's mistake, I think, in the story was not that they didn't bring enough oil. Their mistake was that they left altogether, that they went out trying to buy oil at midnight, trying to save face, to put on the perfect show, trying to be the best so that when that couple arrived, their lamps would be burning like everyone else and they would just look the part. They would not be singled out. And in trying to be perfect, they missed the party. But what do you think was going to happen when the bride and the bridegroom arrives? They're not going to care, so your lamp is out. That's okay. You know, we were late getting here. We understand. We're so glad you waited. Come to the party. There's plenty of light in here. The reality is sometimes, well, sometimes the world can be a dark place. Sometimes we let ourselves down. Sometimes our families and our church families let us down. Sometimes we're not prepared for the darkness when it comes our way. And that's why we have this community. But whatever we do in our tiredness and our brokenness and darkness, in those sacred moments when we're all out, we don't leave. We stay. We lean on one another, share and share alike our oil, our resources, sometimes our faith. Because it's hard to believe in the dark sometimes. But we don't leave, don't give up. We wait. We wait with one another. We help each other. Here, hold my lamp for a while because though delayed, Jesus is coming. And no matter what we have or think we should have, no matter how perfect we are or how amazingly imperfect we are, no matter how patiently we have waited, when we knock on that door, Jesus always opens. And as he will say just 17 verses later, welcome in my good and faithful servant. Come out of the darkness. There's plenty of light in here. Amen.